Angela Davis, one of the Black Panthers. She said, I'm no longer accepting the things I cannot change. I'm changing the things I cannot accept. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Call Her Madam podcast. Hello. We are so excited to have this podcast specifically after we have the first female vice president into of the United States. Woo! Woohoo! <laughs> um, so with us, we actually have Mira Morgan, who I am super excited about because I've known her for a year now. Um, we entered together on the Capitol for Congresswoman Debbie Washington Schultz and all of our experiences, we kind of went through together, you know, from the point of like just discovering the tunnels to like getting laws, trying to go to the gift shop, like everything and anything you can imagine. We practically either shared together or we started laughing hysterically about it because one of us messed it up somehow. Um, so yes, yeah, the floor is all yours. Oh my gosh. Thank you both for having me. I'm so excited. Um, yes, I'm really excited to be here. I love the podcast and what both of you are doing and Ale, I love you so much. And yeah, so I, um, am a junior at the university of Maryland and I'm studying public policy with a concentration in African-American studies. Um, and like Ale said, I worked on Capitol Hill as a legislative intern and I'm currently interning at Emily's List. I just started, so I'm very excited and I'm super interested in everything women in politics related. Oh, we love to see that. I, one of the best experiences I've had with politics in general was at Emily's List. And you know, when I worked there, it was during the election. So I couldn't imagine now that Kamala Harris is like the VP, I can't imagine like that must be like. Yeah, it's super exciting. And I, I just got started with the internship. So I can't wait to see what's in store. You have to tell us how it goes. I'm so excited for you. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. I definitely will. That is so exciting. Mira, congratulations on Emily's List. That sounds awesome. I can't wait to hear more about your work. I'm so excited, honestly, for this new administration. Also to have a Democratic House and Senate. I mean, we're finally going to get life-saving legislation passed across, you know, all chambers of Congress. And hopefully, you know, I'm personally in favor of packing the courts. That may be a little bit controversial, but, you know, to protect things like Roe v. Wade, we have to do it. And honestly, um, you know, I'm just so excited to see more gun violence prevention legislation passed, more immigrant rights active legislation passed. You know, I'm I'm just so excited to see what the new administration is going to hold and how they're going to deal with COVID. And hopefully, you know, we'll have our college experiences back, right? I mean, it's been a long time. I feel like COVID has taken away part of my college experience and now white supremacy has taken away the other part. You know, we really can't go back to school. So that's you know, it's hard, but thank you so much for joining us today. What are you excited for? What are both of you excited for? Um, yeah, thank you so much, Bella. Again, I'm so happy to be here. Um, and I'm really glad that you mentioned the life-saving policies that the Biden-Harris administration is going to implement because you're so right in every policy area from gun violence prevention to immigrant policies to hopefully anti-racist policies and um, equitable equitable healthcare and uh, racial justice policies, and especially with healthcare during COVID and the pandemic, um, hopefully we will see some life-changing policies, which 
or sorry, life-saving policies, which is definitely what we need right now. I completely agree with like both of your like viewpoints. And I also think like something that's really important that we have to acknowledge is we currently live also in a society that women are greatly like being inhibited by, right? Like not only like women, but also like even white women as like much as I hate to say, because they do have a much more equality than, you know, any other woman group, female group. But you also have to acknowledge like the fact that, you know, women, especially during COVID, we've lost 140,000 jobs specifically in December out of the 140,000 that were lost as a whole that month. And, you know, we have this idea of like the gender gap and it is decreasing. Well, it was, but now with COVID, everything is kind of pushing it back and women, like the gap is furthering. So not only having, having a democratic controlled Congress and the executive becomes really important, specifically, you know, we have Nancy Pelosi, we have Kamala Harris, the two out of the three top seats in Congress, right? I mean, in the country right now, two are women essentially, you know? So it kind of also becomes important. Like there's going to be such a profound movement for women that we haven't even really imagined like the implications of it and the effects of this country, the lasting effects of it as a whole. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that, that two of the three top seats in the United States will be women because I feel like we've just gotten so distracted um, between the pandemic and the capital riots and the domestic terrorism that we've seen. We are not really getting the chance and the opportunity to focus on that. We have a woman as the vice president of the United States now, which is so exciting. And she's not perfect. And I'm sure people don't always love her, but it's so exciting and worth celebrating. So I hope we have the chance to do that. That's so yeah. true. I think no matter who you are, um, it's so inspiring to see a woman in office because so many times we're told we can't and not even explicitly people think that because we're in 2021, like sexism doesn't exist but in so many ways it's so prevalent just seeing that like there are jobs for women you know like people kind of push these narratives oh that's a job for a woman you know so just getting women in these high offices that men have always hold and especially women of color that's so inspiring to see that we can do it also and it's also like not even a matter of like you know just there's a woman in office but it's like little girls who are seeing you know her, like this representation of a woman be in an office that like, kind of instills the idea like I can be like her you know it doesn't have to be like all white older men right like it could be like a minor like a black specifically women who is in her middle ages right and like you know a lot of people are like even when the Clinton was running they were saying oh you know she's gonna hit menopause she's gonna lead us into war that's why she can't be president and but then now you know you're seeing first of all she wasn't she was already old enough where she didn't have, she already went through menopause. But second of all, like you're also seeing that the two, again, like two out of the three bit, like most powerful people in this country are women. And that's, I feel like a lot of people understate that. Like, it's not like a realization. They're like, they kind of just like, oh, like the implications of it are so powerful. And there has such a huge detrimental effect of our society. And like, so important that people also realize like we come into like, you know, the awareness of it and like what it really means. Yeah, especially, like, I think us growing up as Gen Z, we've always seen, like, I think the first president I really remember was President Bush, and and then it's Obama, and whatever, you know, like, and then now Trump. So we've we've seen white men, at least we we saw a black man, you know, that was amazing and reassuring and historical. But, you know, a woman is long overdue, especially because Clinton's campaign, that she just, you know, people talk so much shit about her. And whether, you know, you like her or not, of course, it doesn't matter if someone's a woman, they can be a bad person. But like at the same time, it's just like there's so much internalized misogyny and sexism that went that was 
used against Clinton's campaign and such a double standard that it's finally refreshing that four years later, at least a woman made it on the ticket, you know? Mm-hmm. It kind of goes into the question, like, out of everything that this administration, because this administration is getting a huge, like, you know, there's a huge weight on their shoulders right now. Right. The entire democracy, really, and like, kind of, essentially the future of our democracy really relies on how they handle these next four years, and it becomes imperative of it, which is kind of like, I be, like, it's kind of my excitement for the new administration where it's going, but also I'm like, terrified because if they like really mess it up it can not only be so bad for the country both on an international level but even like it just divides up further and we just you know it makes us a weaker country overall so yeah Yeah. like go ahead there's definitely tighter scrutiny because since we're so polarized right now republicans are going to be watching so hard since you know they think democrats criticize every moment of trump's presidency they're going to want to do the same thing to biden right So it's so important that not only are we like perfect, but we're actively, you know, incorporating everyone's voice and rectifying all the issues that Trump left for us. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting point that you make about being terrified about hoping the Biden-Harris administration will do everything right and be perfect. And I mean, I know we have to manage our expectations and everyone's, everyone makes mistakes and it won't be perfect, but I think and I hope, I mean, Trump has done so much damage, but something that maybe is a silver lining is we talked about how with Hillary Clinton, people were worried that she'd be too emotional, but Trump is the most erratic person in the country right now, it seems, and he's a man. And so what can we really say about women? So like Mira, like, you know, you've had a lot of experience, like not only Emily says, but also with the Congresswoman and your experiences in politics specifically, like, you know, what have you seen be the main issues that women face today or like the barriers that we still need to go through um, within politics specifically? And, you know, what do you think is the best way to possibly ever go by fixing them? Or is there really ever, quote unquote, a fix to them? Yeah, Ole, that's such a good question. And I, I mean, I, of course, don't have all of the answers, but um, something I want to to mention before I talk about that is it's it can't be overstated how huge of a feat this is symbolically that um, a woman will be the vice president. It's it's so important. But um, you mentioned you, my work with Ignite and with Emily's List um, and on the Hill um, and through all of these capacities, something that I've seen a lot um, and one of the main challenges that we still face despite our growing representation and all that is we need to be at the table. We need to be part of the conversations and able to contribute given the opportunities to contribute to the policies that are being created that specifically impact women. So in Ignite, which is um, a group about empowering women to uh, be politically active and uh, gain leadership roles, Bella is also in it um, at her school. Um, So with Ignite, something that we've talked about a lot is the period tax. And so many male representatives don't know what the period tax is and how it impacts women. Um, And other similar things, men are making policies for women and they don't know how it will impact women. And there's issues of paid leave, uh, maternity leave for family care um, and policies that impact children and childcare. Um, And with all of this, I think women are more in the spaces now where they can contribute, but they need to be given the space and the time um, and the consideration, especially women with different 
identities, women of color, women with different religions, um, women in the LGBTQ community, all these different women, intersectionality matters in our work. Um, and because of this, I think we really have to make sure that women are in these spaces now. Let's make sure when they're at the table, they have time to talk. I could not have said it better. Um, and also something you said was, you know, a lot, specifically a lot of the work that I've been doing or like researching for, I in a woman apologist class and a lot of the work that we've been doing specifically is looking at the gender gap. And one of the articles that I read for class actually states like, men, in order to really fix and acknowledge a problem, we have, society needs to stop being blissfully unaware, which is simply just arguing that, you know, it happens. And because it doesn't impact you directly or you're not the group affected, you like don't acknowledge it happening. And this kind of like paper actually goes on to state like, 46% of men actually say that the gender gap doesn't exist and 25% say it's quote unquote fake news, which I think is kind of funny in the sense of like, you know, obviously they're never going to admit it exists and like, you know, they're in a place of like superiority in comparison to women, but it also kind of really just depicts in the perfect way what really our society is and like, you know, how we kind of mentalize ourselves and like all really, all groups really do this. is like, if it doesn't affect me, it doesn't matter. And it, what becomes important is like in order to like kind of fix this um in order to kind of fix this it goes into the notion of like we need to have the difficult conversations we need to kind of make people uncomfortable make people kind of on the edge of their seat and like kind of just kind of be on a balance about what's going on yeah Ale, i think it's so ironic how you talked about how 46 percent of men uh don't believe in it and of course of course they don't want to and of course they are going to choose to ignore it you know, I think a lot of things are at stake for women right now in Congress. I mean, like, for example, reauthorizing the Violence Against Women Women's Act and also like closing the boyfriend loophole. I know Joe Biden is so committed to uh, gun violence prevention, but we have to recognize how that's also a woman's issue. And if you're not familiar with the boyfriend's loophole, basically um, the rule is, is that if it, unmarried partners and stalkers aren't considered prohibited persons under the law, so the so-called boyfriend loophole means that only abusers who are or were at one time married to have a child with or are a parent or guardian of the victim. So usually women, they're prohibited from buying a firearm. So the deadly costs of the, the boyfriend loophole are so high because roughly every 16 hours, a woman is shot and killed by a current or former intimate partner. And in 2018 alone, there were 653 related domestic violence fatalities in the United States. And all this information comes from Brady United Against Gun Violence. Um, and you can look up more information about that there. But closing that is, is gonna be so imperative and limiting domestic violence and firearm deaths there. And also, you know, we have to remember about the ERA, the Equal Rights Amendment. Yeah, like how like I was, we talked about kind of before we started doing the podcast really, like the ERA wasn't ratified by all like the needed states until like around this time last year, really. And that's like really important because it kind of brings into the realization like over 10 years passed before the like 36 state really ratified the amendment. And it brings it to question like, you know, what is it kind of now puts this way on the Biden administration. Like, what are you going to do? Are, they, are you going to introduce the amendment? Are you going to focus on a specific, like, aspect of the amendment to really guarantee equal rights to all Americans specifically? And I think that's also, like, something else. Like, you know, we have to hold the administration. I feel like the administration right now, we have to hold them accountable for everything. Um, and, you know, realistically speaking, 
black women get got them where they are, right? Had it not been for black women in Georgia specifically, they would have not gone, they would have not won essentially. And you, that becomes really important to remember because now the administration really needs to give back to these communities that they've been so oppressed, so forgotten about with every administration. It's like, they use them to get the votes and then they're forgotten about. And that's like, one, that should not happen, but two, that needs to stop. Right. Another thing that just came to mind is the gender pay gap. I think that's an also a really important thing that yes. we need to address. Huge. Yes. I mean, we see it all the time and I'm pretty sure Latina women are like the least paid on the gender pay gap. Fact check me, but yes, you know, it sucks. I'm trying to make that, I'm trying to make that money and yeah. <laughs> my check's a little lower than everyone else. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Like white women are make 81 cents to the dollar of a their male counterparts and black women are around 62 percent less and then latino i mean and then latino are like around 40 percent less so it kind of just brings into perspective like you know we are the like you know minority women are just just proportionally like affected in all scopes from like social to even economic to political not even to mention that the pandemic is exacerbating all of these existing racial and gender disparities 100 like 100 percent you know, it's like, I read like an actually an article that stated how black women are now like the economic bearers of the home. And a lot of them are in fact leaving their jobs because they can no longer afford um, to have their kids at home because they would have not to pay for childcare and they can't do that. And now they can't even like, you know, the stress of going to work, the stress of having their kids at home, that's all much for them to bear. And they're leaving their jobs for it. And, you know, the, the statistic that I actually said, said it was that around 1 million women ages 24 to 35 left their jobs since the start of pa- the pandemic to take care of their families. And, you know, women, specifically Black women, are three times more likely than their, like, male counterparts and even white women to leave jobs. And because of the pandemic can take care of the families, which I think just not only is a disproportionate effect, but economically, but also it turns to look socially like why is it are we expecting these women to leave their homes but not anybody else or even like men in general i was just about to say it reinforces the gender norms that we already are trying to and working so hard to undo about having to stay home to take care of your children yet still maintain an income and provide for your families and stay afloat really challenging period mira period Mira, how do you see your work um, with Emily's List and Ignite changing now that we have um, a new administration? Do you see like different priorities for your organization? I know before it's a lot of like fighting against the wall because we had just a Republican administration that wasn't as susceptible to change. But um, now we have, you know, like people here promising change, promising a progressive future. So do you see anything changing in your organizations? Yeah, that's a great question, Bella. Um, I think more than anything, we have to focus on incorporating women of color and intersectionality into our movements and into our work because before we had just been focusing on getting women into these spaces and it's still so important. Um, But if we keep going with the status quo, that just means white women. Um, And we have to work to make sure all, all women are represented and are included um, and are valued and um, are listened to when creating these policies. So I think with both Emily's List and Ignite, um, I will be working and um, my counterparts will be working to work for women of color um, and increase diversity and representation um, and inclusion um, and all of these things that we 
are constantly working on to become more anti-racist and um, feminist at the same time. That is amazing. Is there anything you would want to tell our audience to either take away, do, how to be more impactful to kind of call the administration to action on certain topics, anything you really would want to tell them to take away? Um, good question. I, I really, again, wanted to just emphasize how important this is that a woman is going to be a vice president, um, that the second gentleman will be Jewish, which is the first time that has ever happened either. Um, and these are huge, huge accomplishments symbolically. But um, as we were talking about before, we have to maintain accountability, um, which we have plenty of practice with with the Trump administration. But we have to make sure that um, Biden keeps working for us and to stay positive because now more than ever, we're being represented in government. So these are great times and we can expect great things and demand great things. That is amazing. Amazing. That is amazing. You are amazing. And there are no words to say how thankful we are that you are here with us today in this lovely Monday talking about the huge impacts and the excitement that's in the air about the new Biden Harris administration. Thank, Thank you. you so much for joining us, Mira. Thank you both so much for having me. This was a great first podcast experience and I'm so, I admire you both so much for all of the work you're doing. If anyone else is listening and you have a podcast, reach out to Mira so she can have another podcast experience. <laughs> 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 We'd love to have you back too. Thank you so much, Mira. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye. Have a great week. And I said, Mom, I am a rich man. <laughs> you know, it's like I don't have to marry one. So